Top Audrey fans, I'm Luis Camposano, you're listening to Friar Lounge. Hello everyone and welcome to the Friar Lounge podcast, where we regularly talk in-depth about the San Diego Padres. We cover the big league club, our minor league clubs, rumors, and the NL West. Let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to the Friar Lounge podcast. My name is Mark Collier. Tonight I'm joined by Jorge Arce and Nick Recchia. We also have a special guest tonight, Mr. Sergio Quintera. Uh, guys, thank you for joining the podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, this is a new experience for me. Uh, I've never actually done podcasts for baseball. I do these Zoom meetings for work, but uh, this is, a, I guess, the first time a lot of the people who get to listen to, listen to read what I'm writing on Twitter actually hear what I sound like. So, hey. This is fun, and it's. Uh, I've watched a couple of your podcasts. They're always fun. So, hey, this is a new experience. I thank you for the invitation. What's up, guys? Sergio, welcome as uh, one of our first guests on the podcast. Love uh, you coming on. And uh, Pottery fans, excited. 13 days to go till opening day. Let's go. Awesome. Really happy to have you on here, Sergio. So, so everyone, we're going to have, uh, you know, three main topics tonight. The first one, um, I kind of want to dive into the starting pitching. So, you know, thinking about starting pitching last year, um, yeah, I think it's safe to say it was a strength of the ball club, at least until the end of the year. We had some injuries that, that crept in right before the playoffs that, that hurt this club. Um, but going with the, the, the moves that have been made, the front end of the rotation is pretty strong. Um, some question marks, I think we can talk about, guys, uh, kind of the back half. And so I think I'd like to start there. Um, I might kick it over to Nick first. Um, Nick, uh, thinking about, and let's let's just really have an open dialogue here, guys. Um, there's a couple questions that, that I have is first is um, where do we, uh, I guess I'll tee it up this way. Chris Paddock, uh, Denelson Lament, and uh, on, uh, Adrian Morhone are all kind of question marks for various reasons. And I kind of like to tee up those three because I think they make a lot of sense to be able to talk about. Nick, I'll, I'll throw it over to you and get your thoughts. And then maybe you can uh, tee that up either for Sergio or Jorge. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the elephant in, in the room per se for camp so far has been the health of Nelson Lamette. So now at the same time, he, he's checked off every box uh, from the coaching staff and from the front office's view so far, um, which has most recently led to a two inning simulated game on the backfields, but he has not been seen in live games so far, which is obviously a big question mark. They're not stretching him out right now to be ready for opening day. Now, at the same time, for a pitcher that's never thrown a heavy load uh, in his career and is coming off an arm injury, you weren't expecting him to be a 200-inning guy this year, no matter what, anyways. But I think the expectation right now is, ideally, he's on the mound at Petco at some point by the end of April or early May. That should help to lessen his innings and then also hopefully keep him more healthy. Now, Chris Paddock, he is going to be a part of the rotation. More likely, he's going to be the number four starter. Now, the big question mark with him has been the same thing that's been hanging over his head for the last couple of seasons, and that's been a lack of a breaking ball. Makes him a, a, a two-trick pony, and no matter how good those two are, if they're going to see you three, four times through a lineup, they're going to be able to time those two pitches. So one thing I think that we could all take maybe a little bit of ease uh, thinking about is during this last outing, though he struggled with his command and control, we did see him throw more consistently what looked like a cutter. And that could be a big improvement for him, especially against left-handed hitters, to keep him honest. 
because that changeup kind of fades down and away from a lefter or from a lefty, excuse me, where that cutter can really bury him in and keep him honest. So that might be a huge development, and hopefully we see him shelve that curveball that he's not had a lot of success with. Now the wild card in the mix, as we've mentioned, Adrian Morhone. Adrian Morhone is the $11 million bonus baby that the team paid an additional $11 million penalty for. Now, do they think highly of him? You're darn right. Can he stay on the field long enough to be a starting pitcher? That's the question. He's got okay. stuff for days. So, so, so Nick, can he, can he, or, or Sergio, can he go five innings? Like, I mean, that's a, that's the question, uh, right? Of that wild card. I, I actually checked this. Uh, Morahone has never actually started two months of games without getting hurt. The guy's career high is 65 in the third innings. That's a thing. So uh, let's just say I am, I'm positive that I saw three and two thirds innings his last start. I can, it's still very much in hope and not confident in any way that he can. I, if you've read my stuff, what I put on Twitter of my position with Morahone has always been, I think he's a reliever until proven otherwise. I want to hope he's a starter. I want to, the stuff, I mean, the kid can throw 98 miles per hour. He can spin two, three breaking balls with tough stuff. But it's a, it's very much in a hope. Let's hope durability and stamina are for real. So uh, I'll actually disagree a little bit with the, with Nick. I there at least there is a theory among people with about mechanics that maybe the the cutter is the one thing that makes his fastball get all funky and weird that it drops his arm slot and makes his fastball bad. That he actually has to ditch the cutter because that's what makes his fastball bad. Interesting. So, so George, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah. So, well, maybe we'll stick with Morahone for just a sec, and then I would love your thoughts on Paddock as well. Yeah, I think Morahone is, uh, you know, he's deserved the opportunity for the fifth spot in the rotation. I think uh, he's progressed. Uh, his stuff is there. Uh, I think him being stretched in the fourth inning the other day for the first time in a while is is that progression for him to get his innings. So, um, like I said, unless he he over his next two starts regresses drastically, I think he's got a hold of the fifth spot. And if you look at the way that the rotation is currently set up right now, um, it is progressing to go Darvish, Snell, uh, I believe Musgrove, Paddock, and Morahone. So if you just keep following what their starts are looking like, um, it probably sticks that way. Um, Gore, I think we're, he's having some control issues. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and then Weathers, again, he's getting an amazing crack against the Dodgers tomorrow. So I think uh, they're really seeing where he slots in, uh, whether we go six starters or not. I think it's good to see where Weathers is. And I think due to the injuries that, again, we'll talk about in a bit um, is why Weathers is on the cusp of making uh, the opening day roster. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with more home. But uh, I continue to see them stretching them out to four four plus innings. Nice. And, and, and I think it – Do you guys think we get six starters from the opening day? I, I, I And actually, that's a great segue. I, I was going to kind of touch on that. I, I feel like – so – if you think about where we are from 2020 to 22, we're going from a 60 game season to 162. And like, that's really never happened before. And the Padres have dealt with major injuries on their staff. So I feel like that's a very good possibility that, you know, does Morahone, does that fit, does he slide into fifth starter and maybe he goes three innings and then they, they bring someone behind him. Right. Uh, or, or do they just simply go with a six starter? Like your, to your point, um, uh, I don't know, but I do, I do know they have 17 games straight in April. Um, and that, 
could be a factor where, you know, might affect the roster makeup at the beginning of the season. So I do think it's interesting. Nick, what, what's your thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, no matter what, in 2021, you're going to need more pitchers than at any probably season in any recent history. Um, you're, you're going to need more than probably six starters at least to get through the season. Um, hopefully, Janelson Lamette comes back. He's healthy by the end of the month, and he becomes one of those guys. But during the month of April, I would not be surprised that you see both Adrian Morhone and or either Mackenzie Gore or Ryan Weathers spot start as well. Who would you rather? Well, who would you rather see, guys? I mean, I think that's a it's a natural conversation. I, I would love to just cover that real quick. It was well, Ryan Weathers. I think for various reasons, we want to see both of them. But like, you know, uh, Sergio, maybe I'll throw that to you. Like, who would you uh, rather see? Let's give that answer after tomorrow because we get to see Ryan Weathers face the Dodgers tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Fair. And, uh, if he does well, I'll feel. I think his command is better than Mackenzie Gore at this moment. And. Uh, Let's just say this is a true test. I, I like the kid. I, I think most of the scouting services are kind of just, is the 95 to 97, even up to 98 for real if he's the starter? Or is that kind of like, oh, I'm going max effort and I can hold this for two, three innings? Yeah. I think that's why like somebody like the, the list for pipeline doesn't have him in their top 100. They're kind of like, is this velocity for real? So I guess we will see tomorrow. He goes four innings and we see that 96, 97, he pitches well. It's kind of like, oh, nice check mark. We, we like where this is going. Hmm. Mackenzie Gore itself, hey, yes, the control is okay, uncomfortable at times, but he's hard to square up and score on. So right. I don't know. If what is that just he's been lucky or is he just one of those guys like AJ Burnett like has really good stuff and it's kind of like oh, some walks but the stuff is really good yeah, and, and maybe he just needs some more refinement you know like thinking about like his maturation didn't have the luxury of having a season last year right it was at the alternate training site which we don't know how that impacted could impact every guy in different ways but george i'd love to just get your thoughts real quick on gore and or weathers who would you rather rather see there uh i mean that a very small sample of what we saw with weathers in the playoffs but against the dodgers against their studs um it was fun to see you know um uh, based on that small sample the control was there um with gore like i said the kids snapping 95 96 like no problem when he's on hitters look silly but uh, mm -hmm. You know, th then he runs into the yips, you know, where he's throwing three, four balls in a row. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough. You, you hear about the mechanical changes in the plus side um, and then you see him miss it. So it, it's going to happen again. He's a kid at the end of the day. But um, well, yeah, man, we'll, well, we'll see what happens. But I think I think like Nick said, I think we see him toward the end of uh, toward the end of April and, you know, early May. I'll just say one more thing before I I'll throw, throw, throw it to you for last thoughts, Nick, is you know, I, I think that Gore kind of reminds me of the Tommy Glavin and Steve Avery. I'm just thinking back to the Braves when they were those young pitchers. And a lot of those guys didn't look very good the first couple of years. And they kind of slowly started to figure out. And I feel like Gore's 22 and even Weathers, right? Young pitchers have to figure out how to how to pitch versus just getting up there and trying to blow people away. Kind of that maturation that needs to happen. So um, any final thoughts there, Nick, before we transition? Yeah, I mean, on Mackenzie, just kind of answer Sergio a little bit on that. Like, you know, you can be effectively wild and be effective. Uh, at the same time, I don't think that's the pitcher he's going to become. 
Uh, when we talk about Mackenzie Gore, I really feel within the next two years, when people talk about Mackenzie Gore, they're going to talk about one of the top left-handed pitchers and start, starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. It's about not rushing him and really putting him on the field when he is 100% ready. Because when he comes up, he's probably not going back to him. So. Good point. Good point. Good point. Well, uh, on that topic, guys, right, Sergio, you have one last thought there? Yeah. I, I've been a little bit of one of my, my rants of the last two days. I've seen some fans that are a little too, let's get the championship this year and rush the kids. And it's sort of like, hey, if they're not ready, they're not ready. Give them their time. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie Gore needs a hundred games or a full season in the minors. He needs a hundred games or a full season in the minors. It's fine. This isn't the this isn't the season for the Pirates when Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla were going to be free agent, and it's the last year of the window, and it's gone. Right. There's an extended window. You can leave C.J. Abrams the full season. You can leave. Hassel can stay in the minors for two years. It's fine. Right. When I, I, to your point about that, I think when we'll know when there's nothing left for them to prove, just like we, the Padres knew when there was nothing left for Fernando to prove and he's ready and the, the veterans are saying, this kid's ready, let's bring him up. Like, we'll know that. We'll, that time will come. And I think, you know, for, hopefully for San Diego fans, those, the stars will align. There's a lot of talent here and there's certainly at least a first run at this through 2023 based on contracts and stuff like that. And then I think there's a, probably a second wave that comes beyond that with the young youth that's there. So um, uh, I appreciate the, the, the conversation there, guys. I'd like to transition a little bit here to the thinking about the bullpen. Um, you know, lots of, lots of question marks, even more question marks, I think, than when we came into um, spring training. And, and some of that's just the kind of the injuries that we've seen. Um, uh, you know, I think even more questions just about who's going to be closing um, recent injuries and stuff like that. So let's just, just jump into it. Maybe we'll start on the topic of, of closer first. I think this club has maybe officially four or five former closers, um, all kind of vying for that spot. Um, just like to kind of, we can ping pong this discussion a little bit here, but um, you know, Sergio, maybe I'll kick it over to you on this one. Love to get your thoughts just on, you know, how this bullpen uh, closer situation I'll say is going to play out. Um, and if, if someone's going to grab their answers, it's going to be a committee kind of situation. Uh, I think they gave out a little when guys like uh, Lynn or AC say certain things, it's kind of like the front office throwing out that little nugget. And they kind of threw out like, oh, we like where Pagan is. And I think that that kind of says for me that he might be the closer for shot. I think uh, we got a little interested on the topic of Paddock and his fastball, but Emilio Pagan lost a mile per hour in his fastball. He wasn't healthy last year, and he wasn't as effective. I mean, you check his stat count, his savant page for 19 and 20, it's not the same thing. If the Padres can get Pagan of 19, that's one nasty dude. I think he is, I'm hoping they get that guy, but obviously Melanson is a situation that he could get a shot. Uh, and we just heard about Pomerantz and a, a blurb that, Oh, a forearm injury, and he no structural damage. Uh, that was a lot of the fan base thinks he was going to be the closer. I've always thought that the Padres like him more as their uh, the matchup reliever for the from the sixth to the eighth inning. We're bringing him. This is a tough spot, and we want you here. This is that's my opinion. That's how I always thought they wanted to use him. Mm-hmm. 
and I and I, I agree with you there. I, I really I, I agree with you there. Um, um, Nick, maybe I'll throw it to you, you and then you can uh, send it over to George. Yeah, I feel like especially for when Emilio Pagan came back from the biceps NNI this last year, when he came back from the DL, he was a little bit of a different pitcher towards the end of the season. And it looked like the Emilio Pagan that was in Tampa. So if it's that version of Emilio, then I, I feel like we're pretty confident in him in that role. Uh, Mark Lanson, of course, has been in that role before. Um, in, in that position, I'm always skeptical of somebody who does not have bat missing stuff though when you have to rely on your defense on soft contact you are just making yourself yourself vulnerable to the bloopers to those little dribblers through the infield and yeah we got a great defense but you make yourself vulnerable when you can't punch people out in a big spot and and nick just to jump in real quick he, he struggled mightily um as when he went over the giants as a closer he was great with the pirates but he struggled. So I think that's a point worth mentioning. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, yeah, please continue. How about Kella? He's look good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Keona Kella has closer level stuff. I mean, so does Austin Adams. It's a matter of can they stay on the field consistently and can their control be good enough to not hurt themselves? That's the question mark for both of those pitchers, especially Austin Adams. Um, Keona Kella has had his we'll say flare-ups, especially with opposing teams. Um, I, 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 though it is entertaining, um, I would hate for that to happen in a big moment in a critical game and him lose his composure. So that, that also, that I'm cautious on that in the big moment. Um, a guy that I think is going to be probably the closer to start is going to be Pagan, but I would not be surprised if after July 31st, it is somebody who is not currently on the roster is closing games for this team post July 31st. I think that's, that's valid. Uh, George, love, love to get your thoughts on, on where we, where we sit with the closer situation and, and just how you feel like this is going to shake out. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the consensus pick. I think it is going to be Pagan. Um, I think he finished the year strong last year with Pomerantz again, the recent um, out of left field news about the left forearm, not knowing how, uh, if he'll be ready or what the extent of that is, but I think it is Pagan. Um, the pluses is, is when he's on is his ball's got movement. It's got tilt when he's off the ball's flat and getting hit out of the park. So, um, you know, we hope for the, for the Pagan that, that, you know, has got movement. Um, my choice right now, I think who looks good right now in spring training in a small sample is Kella. Um, I love all the things that Tank said about him, but Kella's got good tilt on the ball. Um, he's the guy who intimidates on the mound in the closing innings. I think right now he's looking good, but I think for right now it's Pagan. And then uh, Melanson might get his, you know, his matchups when we need, you know, that guy to, to pound one in the dirt when there's one out in the nine type of thing. So uh, we'll see. But I think uh, right now it goes Pagan, Kella, and then committing in that order. Is is Kella kind of the answer to to Gatterall? I, I just kind of think like the because you have a little, you, you bring a guy in like that who's got a little nasty in him. Like I think. Uh, you know, maybe some intimidation late, late innings. And so that's kind of where I'm leaning now, George, is, is Kella. But I, I, I mean, it's a story of riches, right? When you have that many guys who can tee it up in the back of the bullpen. And I think someone will emerge, right? And I do feel like, though, it, it probably starts with Pagan because I, I feel like when they made that trade, they made it with the idea that at some point he's going to be the guy. Um, so, you know, uh, Nick, Nick, go ahead. I, not to start the season. 
But if he can pull it together command-wise, which is a big hit, a guy who's got closer stuff and will probably be a triple-A to start the season, Doris Valdez. You talk about an imposing, intimidating figure on the mound. Six foot eight, 255. He was hitting 102 miles an hour early in camp this year. 102 with a slider that approaches about 90. That right there is dynamite back of the pen stuff. If he could figure out consistently where that fastball is heading for the health of opposing hitters and for his future on the mound, that right there could be a dark horse guy that all of a sudden when he figures it out, it's going to happen quick and you're going to see him in a major league uniform very shortly after. All right. Mark the date, like, March, March like another, 19th. That's uh, I'll, I'll remember it, Nick. It's good. I'll, I'll give a bet. Keone Kelly is going to get suspended for beating a doctor. I mean, it's going to <laughs> that, that quite possibly that might be worth it. Happen. I mean, it's kind of like, it's so obvious. So which right? Dodger is it? <laughs> oh, it's for, choose it's wisely. Choose, choose wisely. <laughs> which oh. Dodger is the one getting hit? Ah, uh, damn! Good question. I. Uh, let's all let's all pick one. I'll I'll, I'll start. I got one. I, I can go Mun, for Munce, it. Muncie. I'm gonna start there. Oh, you beat me to mine. Uh, okay, I'll take Bellinger, man. <laughs> okay. Now, what you got? So I, you know, my gut said Muncie, but he's a lefty because Kell is right-handed. I think he's gonna pound Turner inside, like he gets hit anyway, and it's just gonna hurt a little harder. Ah, uh, there's just so many hittable faces on that team. Jeez. Muncie was my one, Turner was my two. Well, well, we'll, we'll keep this a family show. Um, but I understand. Yes. I I understand. Like the there, it's it's those 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 games are being pretty contested, guys. I mean, it's just it's uh. It's a good und- rivalry. Good und- rivalry. Undeniable. I'm, I'm gonna go Will Smith. That's my pick. Okay. Bringing right. up there, Keanu's not gonna like that. Okay. Well, so okay, let's let's shift gears real quick from the from the closers to the, the bullpen itself, right? So the yeah. bullpen, there's, you know, even some more question marks with just you know Pierce Johnson, um, you know Matt Stram, um, you know just just some injuries where you have there. I mean, I feel like there's plenty of depth, right? And there's plenty of guys who aren't going to make this team who are going to be on the bubble who will contribute. I think you know to your point, Nick, just about like the depth that we have and guys like. Valdez and Baez and there's there's just a ton of players who, who may contribute this year who we're not seeing right now making the opening day roster but um is, is there a, a couple guys that stand out to you that who are going to who are going to get big innings um assuming their health during those middle innings uh, after the starters exit uh so maybe Sergio I'll throw that to you and then you can send that over well, to someone else I love the stuff for Austin Adams but he's kind of starting to give me that feeling like he's he's Injury prone like uh, Castillo, so I'm hoping he's healthy. If he's not, uh, then I'm kind of curious for what they got with Christmas, what they have with these guys like uh, Baldev that uh, Nick mentioned, and then uh, what is this guy, Stephen Wilson, who was who had a great season in the Dominican League. So they have options up the gazoo. So I. At least the injury pet concentrated on that lower part of the bullpen. Like when spring training started, I, I wrote, oh, I guess we're going to have to, they're going to have to trade guys like Guerra and they're going to have to trade guys like Altavilla and Williams. And the weird thing is those guys have been 
the guys are going to gotten hurt. So at least the injuries have concentrated to the guys that were at risk of not making the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jorge, any thoughts there on the middle, the middle guys? Yeah, Sergio kind of hit it. Um, I mean, think about a couple of weeks ago at the beginning, we were talking about there's 18 and 19 relievers. Like, what are we going to do with so many? And now you got half of them um, injured, you know, a couple guys uh, out for the season. So um, Adams, Pierce Johnson, Pomerantz are guys that were lock-ins to make the bullpen, and now they're injured, right? So I think guys like, uh, really, there's only five locks right now. I'd say Kella, Melanson, Pagan, Stammen, and Hill, right? Those, I'd say those guys health-wise and what they can give you right now at the major league level are in there. And uh, right now you have the – I don't know if Altavilla's hurt, but I think that's where Weathers is fighting for a spot. And Pomerantz, hopefully, he's healthy enough to make it. But, uh, but yeah, luckily, you know, Preller built this amazing depth and, um, and, is, and we need it right now just due to the injury bug. So Before I send this over to you, Nick, I do feel like there's this outside chance of, of – of, we talked a little bit about this offline of, you know, as the – opening day rosters start to settle there's going to be guys who are going to be sent off right from other major league clubs and my guess is that Preller Preller and his team are very aware of guys who are on the bubble and other rosters who have potentially live arms things like that so I wouldn't be surprised if you see Preller add a few arms at the end here just knowing he's going to want depth but uh, Nick I'd love your thoughts there just on the guys from the from the middle innings yeah I mean injuries you know we got two more weeks basically until opening day so good point Health will tell us in two weeks who's going to be on that opening day roster. In the um, at the same time, I'll tell you, in, in terms of, you know, so, some guys that weren't good enough to make a team somewhere else, making our pitching staff, I, I don't think that's where we're shopping. We're not shopping in, in the bargain bin, the blue light specials anymore for these San Diego Padres. I, I think he's looking, if we're bringing in somebody through trade, I think he's looking for a difference maker. At this point, Dodgers and the Padres are, from most publications, anywhere between tied to within a couple games. That's how close everybody is projecting this division. How do you make sure you get a division title and you get into a five-game series or you risk yourself getting in a one-game playoff, possibly against a Max Scherzer, a Jacob deGrom, Somebody like that, where your season's on the line against somebody you don't want to be facing. You do everything you can to win the division. And I'll tell you, it might come down to another reliever pickup where that person's going to get to you an extra game, maybe an extra two games. I think we're that close that we could put that kind of an emphasis on a reliever. Like I said, it has to be a difference maker, though. But I think that's why you heard the rumors and the talks about somebody like Josh Hader. I don't think Josh Hader is a given because of the asking price. Because if you're David Stearns and you're the GM of the Brewers and you just got done, you know, last offseason with the <laughs> Trent Grisham deal where you just optioned Eric Lauer to the minor league camp right now, you're probably not feeling good about dealing with A.J. Preller. So, yeah, you're going to ask for probably a little bit more than you should because you want to make sure you're going to come out a little bit better than last time. But I, I don't think the Josh Hader deal is likely. But I do think a reliever is on the table or on the menu at some point, possibly even by the end of camp. Don't forget, Kevin Acey said, and take what you want right there. I said, Kevin Acey said, but Kevin Acey said, right? He said roughly two weeks ago, if something, what he is hearing, if it was to go through, he would be in shock. 
Not he would be shocked if it would happen, but he would be in shock because of what it would be. That's not a marginal person. That is something that's a difference maker. Now, whether that's a top end closer or it was at another position. I mean, could it have been another starter? I don't know, but I wouldn't bet against it. Well, I think it's safe to say, safe to say that Preller's probably still on the phone, right? That guy's, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's making calls now, even at this hour, he's working. Workaholic. He's a workaholic. And I, and I, I praise him for that because this is our team and we, we want that. But uh, uh, George, you want to jump in here real quick before we. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to just throw this out there. Who's to say that Mr. Weather starting tomorrow is a showcase to see what he can do against the Dodgers again. And I know we're looking at it as a piece for our bullpen, but you know, if he could be a big piece going to Milwaukee for a hater trade at a last minute, especially with how depleted our bullpen's looking, you know, and then there's a relationship with that organization with his dad back in the day. You never know, man. You never know. But at the end of the day, Preller's always working, guys. All right. You guys have some thoughts on this. Sergio, jump in first. I'm still rooting for a Oakland Sox and we get Rosenthal back. That's good. I see that too. That's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, yep. uh, mid-season, Oakland has a bad year and says he's on a one-year deal. It won't cost you all that much. And we get Rosie and he gets to go back to the Lolitas and have his burrito. <laughs> Very so, nice. Very nice. Nick, you have any final <laughs> thoughts there? Yeah, I, I, I think we just, if, if we're going to go full, full on bullpen fight club, I think we need to just add Amir Garrett. So <laughs> add is, Amir Garrett to Kevin McCallum. Like the, uh, yeah. the American version of Darius Valdez. I mean, it was just. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I team champions of the world right there. So. Hey, um, I, I do want to talk to some, about something uh, about Mr. Anderson Espinoza. I think we should be excited as fans about what uh, Mr. Anderson Espinosa, after a couple surgeries, coming back at 95 on the gun, according to reports. Again, Mr. Kevin AC. And uh, I want you guys to, to talk a little bit about Mr. Anderson Espinosa and uh, Mr. Nick. I know he used to comp uh, to a very special pitcher back in the day. So uh, let's talk about Mr. Uh, Mr. Espinosa. Yeah, when, when, uh, when Anderson was in the Boston organization, his nickname was Little Pedro. Because he was kind of that same diminutive stature, roughly six foot, probably 160 pounds soaking wet. Um, but he would throw mid to high 90s. He would flash a plus curveball. He would flash a plus changeup. Uh, there was a reason why he was a top 25 prospect across Major League Baseball. Um, unfortunately, the kid just has not been able to see the field. So just to see him on there was was kind of a touching moment. Just you know, coming back from four years of injuries and between you know the COVID last season as well so but um what what is Anderson Espinoza now we don't know I mean we're gonna see how much he can stay on the field in 2020 or 2021 um the expectations more than likely is he's gonna find himself in the pen to limit the amount of innings due on that arm but if you can see a kid that is only 23 still which is amazing he's 23 right. and if you throw mid 90s and you can flash that hammer curveball that might be an option you might see in the pen at some point. Once again, especially if you go, hey, shelve the changeup, focus on the two pitches, see what you can do. With this starting rotation, it's not like we need him to rush up to be in the starting rotation. But if you could control that power arm, put him in the pen, you might be able to get the best ounce of baseball out of him. 
quite yeah. a little bit of money ball. And, and I think it's interesting because like to that point, like they don't have to rush Espinosa. They've got plenty of talent and, you know, he's a guy, you know, similar, like in the vein of, of Morahone where you can s- slowly over time, stretch him out and just kind of build up that arm strength and just give it time. So um, Sergio, well, uh, you want to jump in there real a, quick? Let's get a, a little history. Uh, Paddock was throwing 93, somewhere between 92, 94 when he came back at this point from his Tommy John in 19. We saw him in the Mets start hit up to 98. So maybe that 95 is just like starting point. I mean, Anderson Espinosa was hitting 94 to 100. Maybe that he is, as a reliever, a 97 to 100 guy. This is just First month, he's back. He's he's trying to not push it too hard, and I don't know. All I will say with Espinosa, honestly, I would keep him in the minors. Say, dude, stay healthy, have a good season. We will talk in twenty one, and if you even want to start again and you're stay healthy and you're pain free on twenty one, we will talk about it. But for now, just stay healthy in the minors. Be good. He, I would say he is on the 40 man. So I think there's a, probably a desire and maybe not this year, but I think over by next year to kind of build him up to where he can give you some value um, at their major league level. But I think, yeah, spend as much time as possible in the minors to just get him right, build up that strength, stretch him out. Um, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Any, any final thoughts on Espinosa, guys? Yeah, it's a lottery ticket, but it's a lottery ticket that could pay off big if everything falls right, which he's had a black cloud over him so far in his, his young career, but he's still young enough to uh, get healthy, put a couple of good seasons in a row and put himself in the plans long term for the Padres. So, yeah. And thanks, George, for bringing that up. Uh, so on the, the, the final topic tonight, guys, um, want to kind of think about our something I think that Preller is really focused on and that we've seen kind of grow over time is the is really the roster versatility. A lot of different ways we can take this, but one, you know, a couple of things that stand out just like from a versatility standpoint, just the, the plethora of guys on this team who can play multiple positions. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking about even the guys like a Grady they've added bringing in Kim Profar coming back, uh, <laughs> It's, Are we certain that Griffin's going to be healthy for opening day? Um, well, and to that point, right, is Grisham going to be healthy? We, you know, we've got, you know, I think flexibility there from a Profar to a Mateo, who seems like he's about to make the make the opening day roster, like out of options, right? He's got speed, can play multiple positions. You know, he really fits that versatility this team covets. Um it feels like from what I've heard recently of from Tingler with that, that's going to happen that that Grisham's on the mend and is going to be there. But, you know, the beauty of it is you could have, you know, I, I, my assumption would be Tommy Pham would probably slide into the, the, uh, the uh, leadoff spot and would, would be our leadoff hitter until Grisham was, was ready. Um, you guys heard anything about Grisham uh, other, other than what I, what I'd heard recently? No, nothing on that front. Okay. Um, it seems like uh, the general idea is ninety percent shot he's ready for opening day, but we'll, until he is ready, I mean, like healthy and give it another week, maybe another ten days, uh, we will. 
I would say for Grisham, I would just much rather have him ready for full tilt for the Dodger series. And I would, <laughs> you know, because the, to me, you know, all every, certainly it's major league competition you're facing in April, but the schedule seems softer um, uh, a bit in April. I mean, there's definitely a, a, a bunch of games packed together, but um, I feel like a lot of winnable series that we'll be facing. And I think that a lot of versatility is going to play one guy um, who's battling injuries right now is Nola. Right. And it kind of goes back to that, versatility of, of just having, you know, depth. Um, George, maybe I'll th throw it over to you real quick is, uh, you know, we've got, you know, Camposano, uh, Caratini. What's your thoughts on the, on the catching situation? Yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not for rushing Nola back. Um, I do think Camposano is young. Um, you know, he had an error in the spring training game. There's two outs, Musgrove on the mound, a ball he should have just buried in his back pocket threw the ball away. It's just a, an aggressive young player mistake. Um, as, as, as the position of catcher, I'm a fan. Uh, one of the Cubs uh, broadcasters brought this up that Paddock, a catcher, in my opinion, needs to hold the glove still as a, as a target. Right. And a lot of catchers, even the good ones sometimes are rolling their glove down and they do it either to distract the hitter. Um, in my opinion, sometimes with, with pitchers that are struggling, when you're moving the glove around, you're not helping them out. So I think that's one of camp's things that he does. Um, but ultimately, you know, you got to, you run with Caratini, you know, he's a veteran. Uh, I think, you know, he's better than the options we've had in the years past. Um, and it's for the greater good of getting Nola healthy in a couple of weeks. So as long as Camposano's catching one, two games a week, I think the team will be fine. And we got to see how the stick plays, which I think is the big thing that the, the boys are waiting on Camposano to see how the other uh, bat's going to play. So, um, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with there, but uh, I'm not worried about the catching situation at all. Yeah. And, and Nola, I think wants to play. I mean, the guy played with a foot injury last year. I don't think any of us knew really knew about right. that. So he's, he's clearly, he's a gamer. Wants, he's a gamer. Sergio, you know, you have any thoughts on, on Nola and how this catching situation might play out? I like him, but there we've never seen Austin Nola actually do the full season be a catcher at that. I think there is a little nebulous. Can this guy be a catcher for 105 to 115, 120 games? Mm, that's I think he's athletic enough, but I am a little concerned. We've seen a little fracture. We've seen the fracture of the foot, the hand, the fracture of the hand. So it's kind of like, uh, I'm a little nervous. I want to see this was a shortstop that turned himself into a catcher, but I want to believe he is the catcher that was producing big time numbers with Mariners. Mm -hmm. I, I still, I'm not to the point I think, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm pretty certain, but I, it hasn't been done yet that he's played 105, 115 games and gets maybe some second base, some first base work. If there were a DH, he'd get DH work, but I like him. But yeah. the little injuries are kind of like, maybe I'm a little more nervous than I want to admit. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I'll kick it over to Nick. Uh, thank you, Sergio. Nick, any thoughts for you, like just on, you know, it, with the topic of versatility in mind, right? There's a lot of, of moves that Preller has made over the last several years that have really, I mean, certainly there's key cornerstone positions that are locked in for this club, but there's other positions where there's just like tons and tons of depth, which is exciting, right? Knowing that injuries are going to happen. Just love your take on just the versatility that Preller's built and maybe a couple of players that stand out to you. Yeah, I mean, there's no secret here. There's no surprise. The organization's been open about it this offseason even. 
that the Dodgers' versatility and depth, the way that they can platoon players, double switch players, things like that, has been a model of success. Guys like Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, you know, Will Smith, I mean, guys that can move around the field at will, you're able, that's an advantage you have over other teams, especially over a long season. It allows you to absorb injuries. It allows you to absorb matchups that would not be advantageous towards you. And when you look at the actual roster depth that we have, Jake Cronenworth, he can play every single position on the dirt. He could probably be athletic enough to play left or right. We, we know he's got the arm. He can hit 95 off the mound. Uh, you look at a guy like Ori Mateo, and he's also he's out of options. So he's going to make this team, especially with his performance in camp. He's one of the few players, I and mean, he's going he's to be able to play short, second, and center. That's a unique skill set there on a bench, and his speed – Won us the game last year, scoring from first on a, a liner. Um, that kind of skill set is what you want. Unique skill sets and big tools that you can utilize in big spots from your bench. Ryan O'Grady, he's come on lately, but he's got minor league options. He's going to start at AAA probably. Jorge Mateo will break camp with the team because they're not going to risk losing him for nothing or having to trade him at the end of camp. Well, Nick, uh, so maybe I'll throw this name out there. What about Kim? Where, where does he sit with this team? I, and I think I'll preface that by saying, like, when they signed him, I, I read some things about, like, there's a natural transition that's going to need to happen for him. He's coming from the KBO, different, you know, just different velocity, different game in some ways. And so I think there's a potential of just like a, a learning curve for him. Um, what, what, what is, where does he sit? I think he's, you know, kind of, it seems like he struggled a bit. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, are they just kind of playing it slow? Does he start in the minors? Does he start with the bench? What does he sit? Where does he sit on his team? Uh, when does AAA start? I don't think it's kind of immediate to the major league season. So there is a factor there that, I mean, I guess you're implying that maybe we send him to the minors, but if the minors are not active the moment the season starts, that kind of makes a little bit of complication. AAA starts roughly 30 days after the major league season begins. Right. Uh, That's a little more complicated. Yeah. So, so with that, do you have a like an alternate training site for those thirty days? I'm, I'm just wondering how that's going to work. I feel like maybe that's what we might see, but I have not heard anything about that. Um, I'm not privy to that information, but what I, what I will say to answer that is, Asian Kim, with the deal that he signed, is not going to be starting the year probably off a of AAA. Um, the physical tools and skill set is there. To be a guy who can play anywhere on the dirt. I haven't seen probably not at first, but he can play second, third, short, obviously, which is what he played over in the KBO. Um, he takes, if you, I mean, if you see him in camp so far, he was very, very unlucky the first week and a half in camp. Hit a lot of balls hard and found mm -hmm. a lot of gloves. Um, recently, he's been getting fastballs up and in and, and belt high and above at higher velocity, and he's been missing it. He's going to have to probably cut down on the stroke. That, that long stroke at the major league level when guys are throwing 95 and up consistently, not going to fly. The average velocity in the KBO usually sits around 89. That's a big difference between 89 to 90, or excuse me, to 95. And if you ask major league hitters, they tell you the biggest jump in velocity is going from 90 to 95. It's a big difference in terms of timing. So is it going to take a little bit? Yes, but... With his skill set, they don't think that learning curve is going to be that long. He's going to be able to learn while he's up here. And the rest of his skill set gives a lot of value to the team 
in terms of that positional versatility. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got other ways he can impact a game. Um, but the bat will come along. They're pretty confident in that. Yeah, I feel confident. I just, I'm just not sure on timing. I think to your point, Nick, about him being on the major league team, I think that was the general agreement they had when they signed him. Like, you're going to be on the major league roster. But I do feel like there was a little wiggle room of like, you know, could you spend a little time in the minors at the onset to make sure that there's a transition? What's, what's that, Sergio? They can send him to the, the first year to Triple H, my understanding. The rest of his contract is year two, three, and four. They can't. Got it. But this year, I believe they can send him. Yeah, to be clear, they do have the ability to in the beginning, um, but it is a four year major league guaranteed contract. They don't have any other team control past that. So if they keep him in the minors, it will not extend control beyond that four-year contract. So there's no advantageous position to do that, nor has this team done that. Obviously, pointing case, Fernando Tatis and Chris Patrick. So, yeah. Uh, Jorge, thoughts on on Kim and uh, what how he might contribute, or do you feel like he's just they're they're going to slow play him a little bit? Um, I think, yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, my preference is I don't think he's ready for the major league team right now. Um, I understand what the contract calls for. Uh, he's going to get the opportunity, I think, because the minors isn't starting for 30 days. So I do think he does make the roster out of the gates. Um, Nick, Nick hit it on the head, man. Those extra five miles an hour, it's tough for, for hitters to catch up. And if they're getting you above the belt and you got a long swing, um, you got to change some things. And the game is all about adjustments, man. So um, we'll see what happens with Kim, but I do think he makes the, uh, you know, the opening day roster. Um, shoot, you might see him at second base. You know, we're going to be playing against Madison Baumgartner, the guy who's hitting 88, <laughs> 90 miles an hour as a lefty. I, I think we see Kim in the lineup on day one, to be honest. So um, it, it, I want to be selfish, and to be honest, I'd love to see Abrams or Marcano on the opening day roster, but I understand they're not ready yet. They're going to start in the minors, but – those two kids have been amazing out of the uh, in spring training, man. It's been great to see what they're doing. I'm glad you shifted gears to those guys because there's certainly what we've seen from both Abrams and Marcano has been exciting to see uh, in spring training. Marcano, I think, has been surprised, has far exceeded my expectations. Excited to see what he's done. Abrams feels like this generational talent, another generational talent that this team has that's coming up that is either going to be that center fielder or second baseman i'm i myself am kind of pulling for him to be a second baseman because i love the idea of tatis and abrams but um very exciting and i think i think i was talking about this on twitter with somebody it just you know the idea of let those guys prove they have nothing left to prove in the minors and they haven't done that yet so you know abrams hasn't had a ton of games marcano i think is getting to that point he's either in my mind is either going to be a trade ship or as a guy that um, you know, is going to contribute, you know, maybe as Tommy Pham exits the team and we gain a little more flexibility in the roster um, perhaps next year. But I, I would love to talk about those guys because this plays into that roster versatility that we have, guys. And, um, you know, uh, feel free. Nick, maybe I'll start with you and Sergio will go to you and then bounce it over to George. Okay. Yeah, so when it comes to, to Tukapita, I, I, I do think there's a place on the roster for him moving forward. Um, he's, if he, if he hits like he's hit in camp so far, you can hit your way onto a team and you can hit your way onto a roster into a team's plans. Jake Cronenworth was an example of somebody who did that last year. Um, he was somebody that was on the peripheral of the roster fight 
at the beginning of camp when we were out there last March. That's right. Um, by the end of camp, he made the roster. After the first month of the season, due to some injuries and things, he was a guy that was a Ben Zobris light and starting at first, starting at second, moving around the, the infield. And now he's in the long-term plans for the organization. So uh, Tukapita can do the same. In, in terms of C.J. Abrams, yeah, man, it, isn't it funny, like when it rains and pours, the Padres as an organization were not able to develop a shortstop since Khalil Green. Now all of a sudden we got shortstops <laughs> dropping left and right here. Like, hey, we got Fernando Tatis. We, we got three or four shortstops on the roster right now. We got the number one shortstop or one after Wander Franco from the race, the, the second highly or highest rated shortstop in minor league baseball currently. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches finally. And the best shortstop in baseball, arguably, uh, on, on, the, on the active roster. Yeah. So. For me, it kind of feels like maybe a little kind of a little bit of destiny, like the, maybe we could call one of the mistakes for Preller was trading Trey Turner. This feels like C.J. Abrams is the second bite of the apple of getting Trey Turner. He, for me, is the left-handed Trey Turner. That you're getting this guy who can really hit, who runs like a deer, and can keep that 20 to almost 30 home run power that Trey Turner has. That's, and Trey Turner played center field for for, for the Nationals for a while. He can play second base and shortstop. For me, that's the comp. And they, I've already heard for uh, Marcano, he's, he's Profar 2.0. He's going to, when Profar decides to take an opt-out because he has, literally has an opt-out after every year for his contract, maybe he is the replacement, the direct, this is Profar. This is our young Profar. Um, well, we're going to wrap up here soon, but George, I'd like to throw it over to you for some, uh, your last thoughts, just on the versatility those guys bring, if you have any final thoughts, but we'll, uh, look to wrap up here shortly. No, I love the comps by Sergio, man. Uh, the left-handed Trey Turner, definitely see that. Um, I think one of the things that Abrams, if he was missing anything, um, for fans, it was his power and, uh, being there last year for, for the short week before the whole COVID thing hit is, uh, he probably put about a good 10 to, to 18 pounds on his weight on his frame this year. And uh, Marcano's done the same. Mateo's done the same. So these guys have, uh, you know, put on some good weight. They're probably eating well. And more importantly, they're swinging the stick, man. And Abrams is now, you know, a five, six tool guy and, um, you know, keep boning his skills in the minors and come up and we're going to have about a good nine years with Machado, Tatis and Abrams on the same lineup, man. It's, it's going to be great. So um, I love the versatility there. And uh, I love the profile comp with, Mar uh, you know, Marcano. I think the kid's been working on his game and, you know, once Profar does opt out, if he opts out or, you know, fan moves on, I think, um, you know, Marcano's going to contribute to the team. So excited. I think there was a, a circumstance where you could see uh, Cronenworth take over in left field and you could see Abrams in second base. That's a possibility yeah. or the other way around. Yeah, it's a, it's a talent. We have riches of talent on this team and then, I love that we have those options to even talk about. I mean, think about years five years ago. I mean, you know, it just it's just such a different club now. Nick, you have uh, one final thought here before we, uh, yeah. we close out. One final thing, and I know he's struggled in camp so far, but keep in mind, Robert Hassel at this time last year was playing high school baseball, and he's been playing against major leaguers in camp. So I was with Lake Elsinore being a low A affiliate this year. Uh, if you're a San Diego fan and you're down here in Southern California, if you have the ability to, 
go see him at the Diamond in Lake Elsinore this year if you get the chance to. Because my feeling is by the end of this season, Robert Hassel will be a top 30 prospect in Major League Baseball easily uh, with the performance he's going to show in, in the Cal League. I like it. I like it. So I have one final question, guys. And maybe just give me um, – so, Nick, I'll throw it to you first. Um, who is your – do you have one player that's going to be a uh, impact player? And, uh, and this is outside of the Tatis and the Machados and the, of the world. What's one player that's going to stand out to you? And just give me a brief reason why that's going to be a contributor um, for this 2021 club. A guy that's going to be a, a big contributor to this team, I, I'm going to go Jake Cronenworth. Um, his positional versatility is the best safety blanket you can have. If you can play any of those infield positions at a, a high level, and when scouts throw out the potential 70 grade of defense at first base even, um, he is that safety blanket for the organization. So in terms of hitting, um, I, I, I think by the end of the season, He's going to turn into a doubles machine. He's going to sit in that probably 280 arena. Um, and just, he's going to be a hit master. Um, I don't be surprised if you see him a lot moving forward in the two hole. Um, that left-handed bat makes it harder, easier for the leadoff hitter to steal some bases. Uh, Jay Cronworth's going to have a real big year this year. Okay. Jorge, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, what's your one player and why? Uh, mine's coming out of the rotation. I think Mr. Local Boy Joe Musgrove is going to come out and have an amazing season. Um, I think uh, he's going to love playing for his hometown. He's scoring 44 for Jake Peavy. For all of us that were around back then, those were exciting years. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, I geek out and I put myself in Musgrove's cleats as a Padre fan. And <laughs> that's what I would do, man. So uh, I think okay. he's going to come out. I think he's got good uh, bat to swing, uh, swing bat ratios. And I uh, expect a big season out of Musgrove, man. Awesome. Sergio, I'd uh, love to get your thoughts on and one guy that stands out to you. I, a strange choice uh, because he kind of already broke out, but uh, all the uh, systems that are projecting are not buying it. How about Will Myers? I actually think he is a 35 home run guy, maybe up to 40, huh. and he'll have an OPS maybe just under 900 or right above 900. I mean, a lot of the these projections are not buying it. I buy, I see, I see with my eyes, he made adjustments to his mechanics. When the guy uses the entire field, the guy is super gifted. When you just let him hit five or six, be your third, fourth best player, and he's got his swing in order, the guy is really, really good. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's a great, great call out. Um, so the guy I'm going to go with is a bit of a dark horse. And I think had a had a, a bit of a down season, um, underwhelming season in 2020. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tommy Pham, and I think if he can be healthy, um, and he can give us, you know, 120 games out in left field. I mean, that would be such a win. Um, having him, I think he could versatile enough to hit in a lot of different parts of the lineup, um, and hopefully play left a sound left field. I don't think he's the best fielder, but I think he's, he's hungry. Uh, he's a, in a free agent year and, you know, he, he, he has a lot of incentive to make this a banner year um, being that he's uh, I think 32 years old. And if he doesn't, he maybe becomes a more of a bench guy on a, com on a competitor going forward versus a, an everyday player. So there's a, it's a big year for him. So I'm going to say Tommy Pham um, with that guys, 
um, it's been a pleasure to speak to you all tonight and to talk about Padre baseball and excited for 2021, less than two weeks away from opening day. Uh, thank you so much for uh, the conversation tonight and, um, you know, go Padres. <laughs>